know this is no place for a child. Wherever I go, he goes. So I've heard. Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of Force Time. My name is Travis, and today I am here with... Nicholas Peroni. Nicholas Peroni is back. We are going to talk about The Mandalorian. We are both just extremely excited. I know I'm pumped to talk about this. Got up super early, drank a lot of coffee, very excited, very hyped up, very caffeinated, tired, a little bit of everything. So I'm, I'm definitely ready. But first, I did want to shout out the Trans Rights or Human Rights fundraiser that's been going around on social media through a couple different outlets. It was organized by Maggie Lovett of the Star Wars Friends podcast and Your Money Geek, as well as Candace Ka of the Geeky Waffle and Eric Eilerson of Utini and the Living Force podcast. They put this together about a month ago or so, and they have an end date set for December 20th. They are raising money for the Transgender Law Center, and currently they've raised over $10,000. Their next goal is $15,000. And just wanted to shout them out and let everybody know about this campaign that's going on. We'll, we will post that in our show notes. So if you can make a contribution, please do so. Very important fundraiser going on. So please check that out. We'll put it in the show notes. Like I said, trans rights or human rights. It was recently featured in Variety, which was really cool in that magazine. Coincidentally, it was the one that Pedro Pascal was on the cover of. So very, very cool thing that the Star Wars community is doing and really rallying around right now. So please, please, please check that out. Yes, I echo that sentiment. Well said, Travis. So let's go ahead. Let's get right into it because I am I am just like brimming with excitement right now. I'm just I'm just extremely excited to talk about this. Today's episode, so it's chapter nine. John Favreau was the director. It picks up seemingly right where we left off uh, at the end of last season. So we know the Mandalorian has been quested to find Baby Yoda's people. So we get to this story and he is actually looking for another Mandalorian in this episode instead of going straight for baby Yoda's people. So Nick, what were your overall thoughts on today's episode, chapter nine, the Marshall? Well, it, it didn't disappoint, you know, a lot of times when you get to uh, multiple seasons of a show, you, you know, the, uh, the expectations were set, are set so high. And in this case, I mean, everyone has been talking about this show and I think everybody needed this show uh, for this just for the time that we're in, you know, just, just something to take us away from whatever is this getting you down. And boy, did they just kind of hit the nail on the head, keep the ball running, whatever, whatever you want to say. I mean, the soundtrack to this show, the, the amount of whatever you want to call movie magic that they put into this, this show is, I mean, amazing for a TV show. I mean, I felt like I was watching a movie 
Um, I was that entranced, whether it's because I love the show so much or I just been waiting for it so much. I, I don't know. But I mean, everything that went into it, I mean, every scene involving the Great Dragon, I mean, I just felt like I was watching some movie. I mean, just just a movie. I mean, I could just it's amazing what they were able to do in this TV show and everyone involved um, should be very proud of what they, they gave us for 49, 52, whatever minutes it was. I mean, I was, I was blown away. Oh, it was so good. It, it did. It felt, it just felt good to see star Wars new live action star Wars on the TV. And that opening scene just where Mando and the child are rolling through this town. I mean, you're just, ready to go. Uh, it was just, just so exciting. This episode really felt like it was setting us up for this season, just like blowing it out of the water. You know, we had the crate dragon who's featured in this episode and it really reminded me of chapter one last year where the Mandalorian took out the Ravenock, you know, in the first episode that like ice monster and with this episode, it just, it felt like it was telling us like, Hey, get ready. You know, like this is going to be this is going to be bigger. Uh, this is going to be larger scale stories. It's just going to get get wild. And it felt a lot like chapter four when they were on Sorgan, when they had to train the villagers. And again, it was, you know, they were training the villagers to fight the Klaatuians or whatever they were called and the ATST, which was like really big at the time. But I just feel like it's setting us up for like, get ready because this season's going to be just massive because yeah you're right the crate dragon was just insane the scale of that thing and just yeah it looked like it could be on an imax screen just by how how well it was done i just right when they came on screen i, I was just ready i just had the goofiest smile even when they he said he was going back to tatooine i just that just made me happy i don't know what it was like i'm not even that obsessed with tatooine or anything like that i'm just like okay like we're back like we're thrown thrown right back into this story and we're just we're just ready to go. Yeah, I, I, kind of the same thing. Immediately when they started on this quest, I just thought it was a combination of basically episode two and episode four from uh, the first season of the Mandalorian. So the first, you know, episode two, basically the job was take apart a ship, and he's basically got to barter his way into their good graces. What can I do to get my parts back? And Hey, you know what? You can give us this mud horn egg and then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give you your parts back. And then four as well, like that combination of the village and this, the Tuscan Raiders. Yeah. It was a combination of two and four together. I felt like, and it was done perfectly. And I know a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say, we're going back to Tatooine. My gosh, there's been so much on Tatooine, we can't go back to Tatooine. Let's explore different places. And you can do it if you do it correctly and you tell good stories. And this story is a different entity from what we've... Yes, they can give us little Easter eggs that brings us back to our childhood, to what we love about the shows. But them going back to Tatooine this time, you can do it just for the sake of telling a different story. You don't have to go back to Tatooine because of Luke Skywalker or Anakin's upbringing. You can go back to Tatooine because it can, and it can continue the story. And when, which this, in, in this case, I think it, it, it needed to be done. This, the big cliffhanger at the end of this episode, we left on Tatooine to the end of return of the Jedi. So, I mean, like you can go back to Tatooine. You can give us more Tusken Raiders, which we don't know about. You can give us more of these, these, these different Moss Eisley is what everybody knows, but not many people know about Moss Pesta or the, or the, um, Pelgo. 
Pelgo, Pelgo. And then there was the, the one, the other city where the actual uh, Phantom Menace pod race actually took, where they, we met Anakin. It wasn't Moss Eisley. It was Mon, Moss. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Moss Espa. Yeah, Moss. Yeah, there you go. Um, so you can, you can go back to Tatooine and you can give us a new story in which they did. And I ate it up with a spoon. And I think anyone would be silly not to agree with that. It was really good. I, I love the Mandalorian's reaction. And I guess before we get too much further, I mean, you should probably know by now, but yes, this is going to be a very spoiler heavy episode. We're going to be talking about everything this episode from beginning to end. Might even get into some Rebels stuff here and there, some Clone Wars stuff, uh, but just a heads up. But yeah, I love the Mandalorian's reaction when the guy told him, yeah, he's on Tatooine. He, it was almost the same reaction that Finn gives was it Poe Dameron or I can't remember who he gives that reaction to, or he's like, why does everyone want to keep going back to Jakku? You know, it's like, he kind of had that same reaction. Like, really? Like I got to go back to Tatooine. And I'm sure that's how some people felt like, really, we're going back to Tatooine again, but no, nah, it felt good. It felt right. And then right when they pulled up on Tatooine, it was just like, I was ready. I was ready to go. I was all in, but you alluded to it. We might as well cut to the chase the big reveal at the very end. Let's get, we'll just skip to the end and then we'll come back and work our way there. Boba Fett shows up at the end of this episode, or at least like we're 99.9% sure that's Boba Fett, but it's Tamara Mer- Morrison shows up at the very end. Obviously we have, you know, Cobb Vanth in his armor in this episode. We get Boba Fett right, right out of the gate. First episode of this season. How are you feeling when you saw him come on the screen? I had mixed emotions. One, I mean, there's been so much rampant speculation for the longest time that, you know, Boba Fett was on his um, page, his IDMB page as as Boba Fett 2020. There was rumors of Tamora Morrison playing the the character. There was, um, I think we talked about in our Mandalorian recap, we talked about the possibility, which we thought, I mean, I know I thought Cobb Vance was going to make an appearance. If he was going to make an appearance, if you read the aftermath novel, you know that Kavanth has Boba Fett's armor. He got it from Jawas. I mean, like, so if you continued with the story and reading the books and doing all you, uh, a Star Wars nerds love to do, I mean, you kind of saw that all the writing was on the wall that it was going to happen. And once you realized we were on Tatooine, going back to Tatooine so early, I mean, I just kind of, I was waiting for the reveal the whole time. I mean, I just expected it to happen. But that being said, once once I saw his face at the end, you know, just, you know, just like a kid on Christmas, I was like, <laughs> you know, like I was just, it's him. It's him. I mean, we, you saw his armor and, and you and you watched uh, you watched uh, Kyle Vanth use the the missile several times, uh, kind of like that Boba Fett did in the Clone Wars or. Django did in Attack of the Clones, and it just brought back all those nostalgic memories, uh, and it was totally worth it. It was so cool. I and I don't know that I've really, I don't know that we've really talked about Boba Fett too much on this, but I've I've never really cared for Boba Fett that much. I just never did. I love the people that that do love the Mandalorian stuff and just have loved him forever. I dig it so much, but I've just I've never latched on at all. But when I saw Tamura Morrison on screen, I saw his face and I'm just like, okay, I'm a, I'm a Boba Fett fan now because like, how can you not be excited for that? You know, like the last time we saw Tamura Morrison was in attack of the clones as Django Fett. And now he's literally back 
in Star Wars on our screen, like back in canon, back there. It's just the coolest thing ever just to see Django and the clones and everything from the prequels just back on our screen just for that two seconds just the cool thing and he you can definitely tell like he has been through some stuff and he is pissed off like he is he is ready to fight like he sure he wants his armor back like he's probably just pissed off at the world i mean it's been five six years since he was swallowed by the sarlacc and now he's out and like it's really funny how you know all of a sudden he shows up when the Mandalorian, we talked about this earlier, but uh, the Mandalorian just shows up, gets his armor, and then Boba Fett's like, oh, there's my armor, like, right there. So, I don't know. I'm just, I'm all in. I'm all in on the, the Boba Fett train right now, and I just, like, I want to see, I want to see so much more. And and they set you up, they, they they gave you all the information you needed to know based, or I feel, during the episode, you know, when um, Cobb Vanth and him are talking about the Krayt Dragon living in the abandoned Sarlacc, Sarlacc pit. And, you know, it basically is like, you know, if he decided to eat one. So to me, that's telling us all we need to know. Boba Fett was swallowed by that Sarlacc pit. And then a crate dragon came by and dismembered it. And that's how, you know, Boba Fett was free. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, they wouldn't. I feel like that kind of information that they're giving is unnecessary unless you're trying to push forward the story, which... I mean, that's what I feel happened. And maybe we'll get the on how he got out, which I think that's cool. And the other thing I thought about it was originally when I heard all the rumors, I was like, this is the Mandalorian. Boba Fett is a great character. I, I mean, I agree with you to an extent. We didn't see his all his ultimate badassery that he that everyone thinks he is very much unless, you know, Mace Windu in the Clone Wars when he tried to kill Mace and, you know, when he got older fighting Cad Bane and the unfinished Clone Wars arcs. But I always hated the idea of having them two together at first um, because, you know, it's Boba Fett and it's the Mandalorian. We need the Mandalorian adventures. If it becomes Boba Fett, then it becomes convoluted. But I tell you, to be honest, when I was watching Cobb Vanth in Boba Fett's armor fighting alongside the Mando, I was more excited with the possibility of, I mean, I was excited. I wasn't like, I'm looking at Boba Fett's armor. I'm not like these two are taking away from each other. These two are helping each other. And maybe that's something that can happen. Boba Fett could join his team. Maybe Boba Fett could take his armor and be on his way. And then Boba Fett gets his own Disney plus series or a a solo movie finally, or, or something. He doesn't have to continue with the story just because we've seen him in this first episode, but obviously uh, in the uh, in the trailer and the beginning of this episode, if I find more Mandalorians, they can help me locate the child's people. So we're going to be going along looking for other Mandalorians, whether it's Boba Fett with him joining a team, um, whether it's Boba Fett getting his armor back and then just piecing out and then we see him later. I don't know, but I thought it would be a bad thing. But seeing the two to fight together, I thought it was awesome. That's so cool. Also, there's a little bit of foreshadowing, which is funny to say foreshadowing because we we know what happens. But when the Mandalorian, he goes into the crate Dragon and ends up blowing it up and coming out. I mean, that also foreshadowed, oh, Boba Fett could still be alive because that's probably what Boba Fett had to do something like that as well. But yeah, they could go so many different ways with this because I don't, in my head, I don't see Boba Fett joining the Mandalorian to 
help him in any way because last we saw Boba Fett, he was working for the Empire. So his allegiances likely would still lie with being a bounty hunter and possibly with the Empire. So he could turn into a villain you know this season two where a he's going to be trying to get his his armor back but b he could you know moff gideon might know of him and well i'm sure he knows of him but they could team up and maybe go and try to get the child so yeah i don't know it's it's crazy but but yeah that's that's the big thing is the mandalorian is going to try to find other mandalorians to chart his path through other coverts so he knows there's more out there but we also know that Beskar, like that we, we talked about in our recap, is just this huge deal and the price is going up according to the first alien that we see. So yeah, there's there's so many so many different directions they can take Boba Fett. Agree. You may take Captain Solo to Jabba the Hutt after I have Skywalker. He's no good to me dead. So what were you we've talked about a lot of this already, but what were your what were your top highlights from this episode outside of of Boba Fett, the big reveal at the end. I can't say that I have like a, a, a top moment. I kind of, to be honest, and this is probably going to alienate me from a lot of people. I was happy that we got more Mandalorian action and talking and just from him and the child became like kind of a side character. I don't want that to be the case going for, I mean, not necessarily want to be the case for going forward, but I feel like the child kind of overshadowed the Mando this whole season one. That's this cute thing. Um, it used the force several times. People loved it. Uh, it was a rallying cry for 20, uh, you know, 19, everyone clamoring for it in, in this terrible 2020, but I'm actually happy if that makes sense that he was just kind of like a little cute side character making a couple coups here and there walking sticking his head around a corner pushing the button to hide in his little carriage i don't necessarily need baby yoda the child cuteness every single episode to to make this show for me the show for me is the mandalorian and, and progressing that lore and this character and i feel like this episode for me did that it, it kind of pushed his narrative as opposed to just focusing on which we know we're going to get to. We know we're going to get to finding the other sorcerers. We know that's that's coming, but I'm glad that we got this in the forefront to, to set us up for the future. Maybe maybe the child isn't in season three and season four. Who knows? I mean, maybe they're together the whole time, but it, it, it shows us that the show can continue or move forward without having a strong child presence. That's my, that's my favorite part of this episode without, I mean, all the Easter eggs and we'll talk at the end as well, which can me geek out, but that's probably one of my favorite parts. You looked at me when you said that was going to alienate you from some people, but I totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, yes, you know, I'm like, the you're the only person I can see right now. So. <laughs> but you know, I'm like well, the biggest child, you know, I got my, my baby Yoda yes. shirt on and everything, you're, but you're, no, you the child. Yeah, no, I, no, I a hundred percent agree though. I think it, it really, you know, the child was present, but just kind of that cute, like they'd cut to him here and there, which was done really well. And yeah, it wasn't overwhelming. Uh, we didn't need to see the child saving the day by taking down the crate drat, you know, like anything like that. It was, it was good. It really focused on Mando and his character growth too, because I mean, just thinking from where we came from 
chapter one to where we are now, it really just reiterated that he's changed as a character. He was, and even for in chapter one, you know, he was just that stone cold bounty hunter. He'll do whatever it takes to, to get the bounty, hated droids, all that stuff. But then progressively through season one, that kind of changed. And then even in, you know, this episode alone, when he first meets Cobb Vanth, he even makes a remark, you know, I figured it was going to be me or you leaving with all of this armor, meaning like one of them was going to kill the other. But then he's like, but then I saw the kid and it made me think you, you might be a little different. And it turns out he was because the whole plot of this story was him not just shooting Cobb Vanth and taking the armor like he could have very easily. And he didn't need to even shoot him. Probably he could just take him down and take it from him. But he agrees to help the village because it's probably the right thing to do because Cobb Vanth didn't get it dishonorably. Like he, he tells him his backstory eventually too. And it just shows you that other side of the Mandalorian and where he's going as a character. And it just makes me think too, where are we going to be at the end of this season? Because I feel like the armor thing, you know, and having a helmet and this way of life and this creed, I feel like there's, you know, it's kind of like the Jedi a little bit where there's things that are, he probably doesn't agree with that, you know, why do I have to wear my helmet all the time? What's, what's the big, you know, why we're out in the open now? Why is it my creed that I have to take this armor from this guy? You know, if that was his creed, then he would have just, you know, any other Mandalorian by creed would have just killed him, took the armor and gone about his way. So I feel like we're going to see a changing in how he views just the Mandalorian culture in general as, as well, which I think would be really interesting. Cause yeah, I'm really, before the Mandalorian came out, tell you i did not care at all about the mandalorians really you know i thought it was cool they were cool looks again i love the people that have loved them forever and i have and i think you know i've liked them i I love the lore yeah yeah and i i just didn't and like even before this the this show came out i was like am i gonna like it and obviously i did like right away but now i'm super immersed in it and i'm ready to find out where all this is going and where the you know what else are we going to find out about the mandalorian culture and beskar and and all this cool stuff yeah and to be honest also to to kind of piggyback on what you said it's cool how he meets Cobb vanth and his initial reaction when he takes his helmet off you could tell i mean we're looking at a mask but you could tell he's just like pissed yeah this guy took off his helmet like it's like who the you know the blank are you to take off that helmet you're not a mandalore but by the you know he could have killed him like you said and by the end when he makes his plan to take down the great dragon he says to him take care of the child like he's right. ready to he like he thinks of him enough already from that from when he first meets him to that time which was piggyback on what you said about like his change of character if i die here please take care of the child i don't, I, I think he cares for the child enough he's just not going to give him to some rando you know, he respects what he did and what he's doing and his mind kind of like he's earned the right to wear that, you know, for what he did for his town. That's how I take it. But um, I think that's it builds on his character on where he's he's come since. Yeah, it's like you talked about since episode one. And it really shows you even then, like he's somewhat going against his creed there because his job, baby Yoda is a foundling. Like it's his job to reunite it with its own kind, not to give him up to somebody else. So he's already somewhat going against his creed, right? And going against the Mandalorian way. And that's just a very small way of doing I mean, it's pretty big, you know, possibly giving up your life and leaving the child with 
someone who's not a Mandalorian. But yeah, it shows you how much he respects someone that isn't in that culture and still thinks that he can take care of him. So yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really excited to see the character development of the Mandalorian. And no, you're totally right. Like the, as long as a show is focused on him and really the title character, I think, and obviously with this episode, they, they did a great job and the child. I, I, was, I want some, I want some, some BA four stuff from, from him. I like, I, when he pushed the fire out on the flame store trooper, I like that. I like hearing that. I like seeing that. I like, I like all that stuff, but yeah, I agree. I need to see it, but I didn't need it necessarily now. Yeah. And it'll happen too, I think. And the, the child, I think in this episode, really, when I really got to think of it, like what, was the child's role in this episode. It wasn't, the child did not do anything except for observe, but what did he observe the entire episode violence? I mean, it was just stacked with fighting and the crate dragon and the Tuscans and the villagers kind of going at it. Like he was there seeing all this. And that's really what he saw all in season one as well was just violence. And, you know, we saw him when the Mandalorian and Cara Dune were arm wrestling force choke Cara Dune and it just makes me think like is he like what kind of effect am, am I thinking about this too much what kind of effect is all this violence that he sees on him too like is he gonna just get darker and darker and how he views the world and I mean I don't I don't know if that's a, a thing but I know that you're not the only one I, yeah some other people that I follow that have the the same same take you know like that you know every it seems like every force wielding padawan jedi comes to that point to that crossroads that we all know that Luke came to like this is the time of your life where you're going to make this decision which way you're going to walk and yes, that, yeah, no, I agree. Um, that's all he's seen is this one way and he's not being shown possibly the correct way, a certain point of view, what's the, what's the, the right way or not to, um, to be. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think who knows, maybe he could turn on the Mando for at, at, at some point, you know, like all some Padawans do to their masters or I don't know. But yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah, no, that's a good point. The other thing I want to say about this episode I like is, and I think we talked about it in either the Mandalorian recap or some other time. I still enjoy the continuation of the Tuscan Raiders story. I really, really enjoy, again, a certain point of view of what you have. And we talked about this with the book, the the, the points of view. Uh, what is it called? The uh, certain point of view. Yeah, you know, and we got expo- and we got ex- really exposed to it in the new episodes of the Clone Wars. How it really, really showed us the the fall of the Jedi and how disconnected they were with the galaxy. And I, I, I don't know why, but for me, I just love this version of the way they're, I mean, all we know of the Tusken Raiders is just this scavengers picking off pod racers from, you know, the, the Canyon um, savages kidnapping Shmi Skywalker, holding her hostage. And all we get is this, th- these are a terrible people. And then in this episode we get, well, they're pissed at you because you're taking their water, you know, like it, it, it's in the Mando, you know, I, which we also find in this episode, he can sp- actually speak Tuscan Raider. Like he, all he's done was sign language before. And now he's actually speaking their language, which I didn't know he could do, but it's, 
you know, and it's cool to see them get together and for a joint cause to work with that, you know, and there were some tense moments, obviously some disrespect. Hey, you don't, don't drink my smelly post liquid or whatever the heck that was. And I'm going to be disrespected. So it shows you different cultures and how it's okay to have different views and different ways of doing things, but doesn't necessarily mean it's the wrong thing. And I just think, again, it just comes back to our times now and, I just like that. I just like how they take something that everyone has this 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 inkling in their head who they peg Tuscan Raiders as, and this didn't. You know, it's a, their families. They have children. They are that's their land that's been taken over by other settlers, and the resources that they normally use are being taken from them. Maybe that's why that they've acted out that they uh, the way they have. So. I don't know. I, I like that continuation. I thought it was great. And just, you know, seeing sign language, I think in, in any media and that type of representation is, is huge. And yeah, seeing the, the dynamics between the Tuscan Raiders and the villagers and yes, them having to come together. And really that made me think about the Phantom Menace, you know, when the Gungans have to come together with uh, the Nibuians and they have to come together to, win the battle in the end. And I just think that that was a a good contrast of that, seeing these two opposing factions. And now, you know, that probably healed all of that tension that they've had forever. Now that they've witnessed that together and they've gone through that battle together, you know, they said the Tuscan Raiders already said they're not going to come back to the village unless they break the peace. So it's like, there's peace there. And that's just been years and years of those two factions just, fighting and hating each other without knowing probably because they can communicate so just yeah the mandalorian kind of being that bridge Mm -hmm. between these two factions is just a symbol for hopefully what we're going to see with him throughout because yes the mando kicks ass uh he can do all this like really cool stuff but obviously he has the power to bring people together too and that's always been a a theme of star wars you know as well as is bringing people together and that found family and hope and everything like that so no that was a that was a really really great thing to see one other thing i just loved was since we're back on tatooine we get so much of the banthas and we just you know like we got that one picture before the season came out and then we got the bantha in the trailer and we just we see the banthas all over the place in this episode we see them up close we see them at the campfire getting their teeth brushed you know they are pretty much their pets but it's kind of sad because they also use it, use them for bait for the crate dragon, which I guess, I mean, at least they're sacrificed in the end, you know, that one goes down with a, a blaze of glory and honor, I guess. But one of my favorite parts, it just makes me laugh so much is the Tuscan Raider took the Bantha up to bait the crate dragon out of its hole. And then, leaves the bantha there here's the crate dragon coming just takes off running which another thing that i love is that we get tuscan raiders running just like sprinting but he like runs off and it's that classic comedy gag of he's like running so fast that he falls and then the the crate dragon comes out and just devours the tuscan raider and leaves the bantha and the bantha is just like stuck there just like wait what just happened just kind of looking around just made me laugh there's just those moments where i don't know if that was meant to be like a super funny part but it made me laugh at least. And um, going back to that humor as well, we got Pelimoto, which I know you're not a huge fan of. She was hilarious. 
to me in this episode and just like offering to pay Mando to keep the baby and just like, I don't know. She's so sweet and just so caring. <laughs> I, I like her. I think she's, I think she's funny and I, I really like Amy Sedaris. I, I would take Pelimoto and, and I hope that she's like, you know, I like uh, her Bojack Horseman. I I think she's hilarious, but Pelimoto's back. That's another highlight. Um, and then another line, and this goes back to the child seeing violence and maybe I should have talked about it then, but one of the lines I really liked was when Cobb Vanth and the Mandalorian are going up against each other, like right at the beginning, he's like, you sure you want to do this in front of the kid? And the Mandalorian just says, he's seen worse. And it's just like, I don't know why that made me laugh, but it's just like, yeah, he's definitely seen a lot worse than just two guys fighting. I mean, he's seen death troopers coming at him and flame troopers coming at him and, you know, IG 11 just taking out these stormtroopers. So I thought that was, that was another good line, but yeah, Cobb Vanth, man. I, if I remember correctly, he's the, he's the Cobb Vanth is the, is the first person to appear canically and from a novel. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I, uh, you know, I, that that's what I love about it. And the story is pretty much the same. I mean, it's only a couple chapters in the book of Aftermath that we get get the story. But uh, yeah, that's the first time we've we've seen this novel, canon novel to canon TV movie, whatever it is, which I love. And, we, and we've been thinking that it's going to happen. But yeah, yeah that's uh, I'm glad that it did. Because it, it it maybe it um, inhibits some other fans to experience those other genres. It just doesn't have to be movies and TV shows. Yeah, no, it was cool. It was cool just to see see him on screen and finally get that. I'm glad we got that confirmation in episode one or you know chapter nine, I guess. But episode one of this season is that Timothy Olyphant is for sure. You know, it was already confirmed, but that that's who he is. And I knew right when the title came on screen that it was going to be I mean it was just pretty obvious and then when he walked in it was so cool just to see the armor but yeah he looked a little off and it had the tube hanging out on the side that is probably for his jetpack or whatever it is um but yeah it it was cool it's cool to see him fighting by each other and seeing the jetpacks fly up all that good stuff I just I really like Cobb Vanth and I hope we I hope we see more of him and I think we do you know I think normally when when someone says I hope we cross paths again that's probably going to happen and you know my thought is that he's going to be part of some crew that mando's putting together kind of like season one you know where he had cara dune where he had grief carga and you know they kind of put together this crew in the inside i'm assuming he'll he'll come back and maybe ask for their help you know now that he's kind of helped them out as well yeah but i wonder how much he he'll be he's not um invincible now without his armor if, if boba's going to reclaim his armor he's just a dude now so i hope his story's not done but i, I could see where maybe it was yeah i think it if anything might have to mandalorian might have to give him back some armor or something cool yeah, maybe, I don't know, you've earned it or something and gives him one of the you know the armor says hey here have some of this <laughs> i was about to forge this but uh you know i've yeah. heard stories of you Cobb vanth Right. Or maybe hey, there's no Mandalorians left and he needs Mandalorians and they got some armor. So they're like, yeah, this guy would make a good Mandalorian. I don't know. No, there's got to be Mandalorians left. The way he said it, the way he said other Mandalorians to help me and the other culverts, we're going to get to work. There's going to be more of them. It's got to be. There's definitely more there, there somewhere. But yeah, he might he might need his help here in the future. So, yeah. 
That was good. The only other thing I'll say before we get to Easter eggs, did you notice, so the, the Tusken Raiders and Cobb Vanth and the Mandalorian are putting together this plan, right? And they have the little crate dragon that is uh, a skeleton, just like tiny to, to scale one. Did you notice it looked like chocolate chips that they were using for the people to like signify the people? I was like, where did they get these chocolate chips? They looked like little chocolate chips. Did you notice that? Yeah, I, I thought the same thing, but then I was like, it's probably massive doo doo or something or <laughs> something. It was, yeah. it was just, I just thought yeah, that they was, look exactly like chocolate chips. Yes, they did. It was, it was just funny. And yeah, Cray Dragon was just so cool. And like it, it threw up venom or poisonous something and just kept like throwing up everywhere. It's like, man, that is, I don't know. It was just, it was cool to see what, a live action one. Are you ready to move on to the Easter eggs? Sure, sure. Let's do it. So, some of the Easter eggs. I'll I'll go ahead and start, and we'll. I'm going to start this just with a category first. But I loved it was very prequel centric this entire episode, and anytime we get love for the prequels, I am going to be happy because it seemed like we didn't get a ton of that, you know, with the sequel trilogy, and now you know the Mandalorian has has kind of harkened back a couple times, but this one was very very prequel esque, which was cool to see because especially with Tatooine. Obviously, the first time we see Tatooine is, you know, A New Hope right out of the gate. But Tatooine's pretty heavily featured in the prequels. So it's cool to see that side of it as well. And first off, we get the pit droids, right? They're back again. They were in season one. Uh, We get the pit droids again. And they have a little funny gag, too, where... Which he doesn't mind now, which I like that change. Exactly. That's growth. He, uh, he's okay with the pit droids cleaning the ship and then it cuts to the pit droids and they're using a vacuum and it goes onto one of their face. Just like, it's such a Jar Jar gag that I just, you know, not even Jar Jar, but obviously the pit droids have gags like that in the prequels too. But I just, I loved, loved that gag so much and just seeing the pit droids again. The other thing was Cobb Vanth riding a, what looked like a pod racer or like the side of a pod racer or the engine of a pod racer sure you saw that too we talked we talked a little bit about that looked like maybe anakin's or sebulba's or somebody's pod that he was on and then the third thing speculation running around is that is definitely anakin's pod pod and that's a speculation from other people as well so i i can't confirm or deny that but yes yeah that's such a cool easter egg and then the the last thing i'll bring up with the prequels was the massives. So when we talked about this, we didn't really know. I had to look it up to see what they were. Yeah, they're the, they're womp rats. I'll, yeah, I'll it. <laughs> they they are the the rabid dog like creatures that are with the Tuscan Raiders and Attack of the Clones. And ah. oh, there's one right there. Wow, I didn't know you had a massive in your in your house. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we see those and like yeah, and so the Mandalorian again instead of being violent and like taking these out he knows that those are like pretty much the tuscan's pets and he like you know speaks tuscan to him and then he pets one and it's just like the same thing with the tuscans we see this whole other side like just like a little dog just like a cute little you know nasty looking type dog but he bends over and like pets it a little bit i thought that was that was great but i, I just i love the prequel of throughout this episode yeah, and I and I like that too because I, I feel like they're setting us up for like the Mandalorian like later. You know, he has. I mean, obviously he killed a Mudhorn and he killed a, this uh, this crate dragon, but you know, you got the Blurg. Um, you have uh, this animal as well, and then you know the Mandalorians and the the Mythosaurs. Um, so maybe he does have kind of like an animal connection, like 
Ezra in some way. Hopefully, I like that as well. My um, my Easter eggs is are you know they're not um, anything to write home about, but just a couple things, and some are kind of out there. But we don't get much of the the crate dragon. You know, you hear some mentioned. I forgot what I'm, I'm trying to think of where we got mentioned before. But obviously, in the New Hope, when C-3PO is walking on Tantooine, you see that big long skeleton, and you just at that time you know it is just this bones in a in the sand. Obviously, that's a crate dragon. Now, uh, you know that a lot of people didn't know that. I think it's really cool when you're listening to this episode and you see the crate dragon scream or growl or howl or whatever it does. That's the same exact sound that Obi-Wan uses to scare the Tusken Raiders away from Luke at that time, which I think is an amazing callback. I mean, that's just one of those things that either you got to be a Star Wars nerd like we are, and I'm not afraid to admit that, to pick up on that, but I, I just think that's a super cool callback to kind of to, to connect those two. You know, what, what were they afraid of? Why were they afraid of that noise? The, the Tuscan Raiders uh, scare easily. Well, hell yeah! Now that we know, I'd be scared easily too if that was the thing that I knew was coming after that sound. Uh, and what's what's Obi Wan's uh, experience been like? Like, how did he know? You know, has he had an experience with a crate dragon? Did he have to fight one once? Like, will we see that in the Obi Wan series now? Like, who knows? I mean, Trevor Chow will give us a little insight, uh, hopefully, uh, into into some kind of relationship. But yeah, that's pretty dang cool. We don't get more of the the Camtonos, but we do all of a sudden in this. You know, the only one we've ever seen was. Um, Will wrote whatever his Willow Willow Hood or whatever his name is running running with it and Empire Strikes Back and then all of a sudden the Empire Warlord has one full of Beskar and now we uh, Cobb Vance steals one from the mining the miners that's full of the crystals so another little you know we just never really had seen much of those and now in a season in, in a season in an episode we've we've seen it three times now total. Yeah, it's like we we get it. We we get it. It's not an ice cream maker. It's a, like it's a safe. It's a safe. We get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, when you know, to me, you know, when they show Boba Fett, there's the twin sons are in the background. I think you're so focused on Boba Fett that maybe most people didn't pick up on the twin sons. I mean, maybe I don't know. I did. It's the first thing I saw was the twin sons, uh, and then I was like, oh yeah, that's 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 Boba Fett. So I like that. If you notice when he when um, the Mando is going through the town. Sam Witwer, uh, who voices Galen Merrick, Starkiller, Darth Maul, is one of the villagers. He's pushing a little, he's got the long like hair and he's pushing a little like a barrel. It looks like a keg kind of, I think. Yeah. And then they mention um, Moss Espa, which we talked about a little bit earlier. But Moss Espa is where we're introduced to Anakin. You know, most everyone thinks that Anakin, Tatooine, Moss Eisley, I don't know, that's just the connection that you get, but that's where we met him, and that's where the, the Pod Racer Canyon or the uh, the arena is in, Moss Espa. Mm-hmm. So that's another cool kind of little side note. And, uh, and we get we get the we get the map of Tatooine, which is really cool. And we get that yeah. from R5 D4, which oh, R5, yeah. Good yeah. job. Yeah, R5. I don't even have that written down. Yeah, R5, that was that was cool to just that was just a nice little, you know, 
see our old friend R5 out there thriving and being able to conjure up maps and everything like that map was just it was cool to see Tatooine like that with the different the different you know moses and um everything but yeah when r5 came out that was that was a cool moment when i first saw him i was like that's not r5 and i was and then once i watched it again yes i've watched it three times today so far you can see which is which is a tribute to the show as well i just got you know uh, thank you fabro thank you feloni thank you everyone involved uh, they show the back of R5 for a second and you can see there's like these little black lines where it would have been like carbon scoring for when his motivator blew. I mean, like that's the attention to detail to make that. I mean, kudos, 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 kudos. Uh, to me, that's cool stuff. I don't know. Maybe no, this, this thinks that's cool. And maybe it was like, just saw the droid and like, oh, R5 and that's it. But to me, I was like, that's not it. I needed proof. Damn it. There it was. They gave me the proof. <laughs> there's a bad motivator right there. Uh, yep. And then the only other Easter egg that I possibly, and, and I'm reaching here, the pearl that they pull out of the, the crate dragon. If I remember correct, and, and I don't remember what he did with it, Reven, Darth Reven from Knights of the Old Republic, got a pearl from a crate dragon. And either he traded it to the Kate, the the Tuscan Raiders, or he used it because you can use them apparently to make lightsabers. And I can't remember what he did. If he made his lightsaber from the pearl that he got from the crate dragon, I don't remember this. I, you know, of course, I should have prepared for uh, to, to bringing this up, but I remember Reven having a crate dragon pearl. And if I remember correctly, the they can sw- they swallow the rocks, and then the rocks can turn into kyber crystals, and then over time, the acid can wear on the kyber crystal in the crate dragon. So, you know, I don't know. In yeah. Legends, I, I believe Boba Fett maybe made a lightsaber from a crate dragon pearl in Legends, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, but um, I don't know. That, yeah, there's, that's another there's something thing. there has something to do i think i think that could be something maybe not you know like it just seems all of a sudden they're holding this pearl it was never brought up that that was the whole point of harvesting this animal was to get the pearl out of it um it has some value and so yeah i remember reven having one which is one of my favorite star wars characters and i think you don't care about reven too much I'm just, I'm not as familiar with the Knights of the Old Republic, but I do know that, yeah, the Pearl has some significance there. And not only that, you know, does it have significance to Knights of the Old Republic, Darth Reaven, all that stuff, but also it's just a callback to the egg in season two, right? I mean, or in chapter two in season one, where the Jawas get the egg and they like hold it up and they're so excited. It's kind of the same way, but also we get like all this meat, which is really funny to me. <laughs> that they're, I love that big chunk of meat. He puts on that. Thing. <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, I'm like, I'm like well, you go to a Thanksgiving dinner and they're like, yeah, make sure you take a plate to go. You know, he just wraps it up. Yeah. Take some of this great dragon. It's delicious. Yeah. That was really good. <laughs> the only other things I'll just keep it short. Uh, we do get, the ma- it's it, I mean, it's pretty obvious that so it wasn't really an Easter egg, but we get the cool hologram of the Death Star 2 blowing up, which was such a cool thing. You know, they, they do these like throwbacks, these uh, these flashbacks really well in The Mandalorian. They did a couple of them in season one, and then we get this flashback of Cobb Banth and kind of the backstory of, of how the Empire came in. And we get a little more, you know, Empire stuff, how they came, they were occupying Tatooine, and then they left pretty much immediately, but then someone else came in. And it just tells you 
um as well like what's happening on navarro now that you know the empire has gone from there but you know who now who has come in and, and maybe is in charge of of where grief karga is so that was cool to see the the hologram of the death star 2 blowing up i i like to see it and you like that you made the point death star number two you know uh he made that point the same yeah. the other thing is that i and i i can't put my head on it uh, that first planet, you know, we saw it. We saw it in the trailer a lot um, when he goes to see Gore Koresh or whatever he is, and he, we walk by and you see all that um, graffiti on the wall, and you can see a snor- a snowstorm trooper. You can see what looks like to be C three PO. I feel like I see Grievous. I feel like I see Vader on that wall as well. And someone said they saw Chewbacca, um, but I, I I can't see that on on there which reminds me of, you know, going back to rebels and Sabine and how they painted on all the walls. And, but in rebels, we get it twice and I can't remember the episode and I can't remember the name of the creatures, those creatures that are in the background with the red eyes that, that he, you know, he tells Gert Koresh, you won't die by my hand, which, you know, foreshadowing. Yeah. You're not going to, you betray me. Uh, These creatures are going to, you know, tear you apart. But in Rebels, they're in the back. They're in a planet where they're sitting around a fire, and there's just the red eyes around them, like howling in the background. And I'm trying to like trying to think in my head: Is this? Is are these the same creatures? Are are they on a Rebels, a planet where the Rebels were, and that's why all this, the the graffiti's on the wall, you know, and Sabine and Sabine possibly coming later. I don't know. Uh, that's just that's just another another little possible. Easter egg. Yeah, I wonder if we'll find out exactly where they were because that opening scene was really cool. And, uh, you know, we get the Gamorreans fighting with those extremely awesome weapons, those like vibro blades or whatever they are. Uh, and then we get a, a little. We did you did you notice Constable Zuvio or someone that looks like Constable Zuvio with like the green hat, the famous like background character that they made black series figures for the Force Awakens, and then he was in it for like two seconds. But anyways, he was at that fighting ring or someone that wore the same getup as him was. Uh, but those Gamorians were also just just so cool and like buff. And then when the Gamorian jumps off to get the Mandalorian and he like goes through the tables, just like such a pro wrestling move, you know, a WWE style, just hilarious to see those Gamorreans. But yeah, I wonder if we'll, we'll figure out where that, where they were on that first planet or if it is going to matter at all. But yeah, it was, a, but uh, yeah, just a, just a side note. If we're, if we're going to get Sabine Ren in this thing, maybe there's a connection. I don't know, but yeah, could be, we didn't get a lot of possible Easter eggs. Definitely. And, and yeah. everyone should try to um, should uh, look at that uh, graffiti on the wall and see if you can find some that I haven't found yet and, and, and let us know. Well, yeah, this, this whole next week is going to be good because, you know, we're talking about this day of release, but over the next couple of days, people are going to find so much more uh, and connect so many more dots. That's the fun of, you know, weekly episodes is you have a whole week to get ready for the next one. And yeah, just so excited to so excited to see where this goes. You'd binge it if they released all eight, you know it, and you'd like oh, it just the same. <laughs> 100% I would, but I, it does add to the hype. It does add to the hype because as hype as I was for episode, you know, for this episode, you know, having that same hype every week is just so fun. And just getting getting up early, having my coffee and my Mandalorian mug and putting yeah, my Mando just, shirt. 
We'd probably just be finishing the season right now if they were binge watchable. Yeah, <laughs> they're they hour long episodes, which this one was. Or you know, that's that's awesome about that too. I hope we get eight hours of this damn show this week. Excuse my language. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. No, it's great. I'm I'm pumped. Plan on doing a lot more of these and recapping and reactions and seeing where this season goes. Because yeah, there's so many different ways it could go. We we didn't get a ton, you know, story wise, but we but we did at the same time. We got a lot of character growth out of Mando. Obviously Boba Fett is is here now. And yeah, it's just exciting to to see where we're gonna be next week and the week after that and the week after that. I agree. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming along with us, recapping chapter nine of The Mandalorian. It's crazy that it's here. Crazy that we're already talking about this, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, can't wait till next week. In the meantime, you can follow the show on Twitter at Force Time Pod. Also on Instagram at Force Time Pod. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also check out that fundraiser that we talked about at the beginning. Trans rights or human rights. This is the way organized by some amazing Star Wars fans. And contribute if you can. Like I said, we'll put all of that information in the show notes. And vote. Everybody vote November 3rd. Please get out and vote and express your opinion. This is, um, we need it more now than ever. Please vote if Absolutely. you can. Absolutely. Election is coming soon. Please, please, please get out and vote. Get out and volunteer. Do do whatever you can. Because, yeah, this is, a, this is a big one. But, yeah, it's coming up. Please, please do your civic duty. Thank you again. And may the force be with you. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.